Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people in their 30s are on their quest to find love. I am Jen Sanford. This is Kyle Marshall. We are two people completely unqualified, but when has that ever stopped us? Hasn't stopped us from joining you every Friday night and hasn't stopped you fine people from listening. So here we are, Kyle. Yes. How are you? Oh, Jen, I'm sure we'll get into it at some point in this episode. I have to preface everything that's probably going to be said on this podcast. It has been a week, but you know, why don't you start, Jen? We should just jump right into our relationship scorecard. What's going on with you? I'm excited to have some fun with tonight's topic. So I find it in my own relationship with, Mm -hmm. with Jesus. Jesus, of course, not being Jesus Christ, but a man who I'm going on dates with that looks strikingly like Jesus. I feel like I'm reaching a crossroads where I either kind of have to put up or shut up. We are getting some social feedback that perhaps it's becoming a bit inappropriate to continue to refer to him as a man I'm going on dates with. Uh, we certainly heard from the single parent community mm-hmm. who said like listen if you're meeting the kids and and navigating the ecosystem of the ex you might actually have to say that maybe you're you're dating this person and i don't know why that causes me to like remember that episode of sex in the city where carrie goes wedding dress shopping and she like breaks into hives i feel like that's kind of where i'm at now but i feel like i'm reaching this this threshold Jen, of, sorry, of Jen, needing to either Jen, put up or sh- i'm so sorry I'm so sorry to do this. Can we can we just skip past that? I, oh. I don't want to. Uh, you you mentioned it as we were beginning this podcast before we started pushing record. There's a lot weighing on my mind, and I can't pretend to go through the fluffery of the beginning part of our podcast. You know our okay. our classic banter that we have at the beginning of each and every show. So uh, can we? Can I just talk with you? Yeah, sure. So, Kyle, go ahead. What's going on? Jen, I am not even joking when I say I have like this entire document that I wrote here today. So some of this is going to be coming off the dome. Some of this I'm going to be reading out because I wanted to make sure okay. my words were very particular and specific. Um, and then okay. people can uh, can say if they think I'm a writer or not at the end of all of this. You know what my week has been. I just got back from New York City here just last night. Yeah. And you were pretty you were pretty quiet when you dropped off a suitcase at my place today. So sure I kind of just was gonna was. <laughs> it was just roll up, pushed it out of my car, and kept on driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you made me chase it down the road. It yeah. was awkward. Kyle, what's going on? This is a podcast, so I'm acutely aware that you can't see our faces, mm. but Kyle has this expression I don't think I've seen in a while. Yeah. Um, and you're sweating. And yeah. <laughs> why don't you just, just, Kyle, what's going okay. on? Jen, I was so excited for New York City. You know, anytime a trip approaches, I start, of course, daydreaming about the possibilities that await me. You know, there's the real, like, fresh bagels, the smell of the city, the electricity that you can feel from an audience right before the curtain rises on a new Broadway show. Uh, but there's also like that unreal stuff that you maybe hope happens, like the potential of running into a famous person or this random encounter that gives you a big break or the start of a new relationship as you have your meet cute in one of those out of the way bistros in Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. But because of how busy I found myself, I hadn't really 
taking a look at specifics on my trip. Like, yeah, I purchased a couple of tickets to some Broadway shows. I knew where I was staying. End of list. I didn't really have anything else planned with those few things. Didn't know anything that I'd be doing from day to day. None of that was planned. I didn't even know what the weather was going to be like. But in the month coming up to my departure, I allowed myself to succumb to the idea of this perfect week. You know, how confident I'd be entering the city, how in command I'd be walking down the street, and for the purposes of this podcast, how romantic it would be confronting my crush. That's right. So what this fails to mention is how I had been starving myself for the last couple of months because I wanted to look amazing naked. Uh, I started lifting weights at home almost every day. I started this new skincare regimen. Like, I wanted to pretend to be amazing so that the fantasy could go on without a hitch. You took more vitamin C than a Kentucky Derby horse. I There was that part, yeah. (laughs) I should also admit to how much I've used work as a crutch over the last couple of years, just burying myself in networking, growing the business, building something successful so that maybe eventually I could feel happy. I didn't feel right unless I had too much on my plate. But so much time had been focused on those New York fantasies that the flakes of snow that began to fall in Calgary were a bit of a surprise. It had been so nice the past week before I left. And then the snow began to fall harder and the roads began to look like a nightmare. And that's also when I realized I needed a couple of documents to fly or else I wouldn't be able to get on a plane. I needed to go and have (laughs) a rapid COVID test. And just to be safe, I thought I should print out like my vaccination status as well as my United States Declaration of Immunization. Much like any good older millennial, I don't own a printer. So I needed to go and get my tests done and go and get those things printed all on the last day before I flew out while a blizzard was happening. So there I am in a car that's never done well in snow. The day after I took off my winter tires... Yeah, always. Yeah, that's the way it works. Struggling to get up the hill, passing intersections with jackknifed semi-trailers and stalled out buses to get to my test, which took like all of 15 minutes to prove that I could fly. And then off to a Staples, a store where I can go and print out these documents. And let me be clear, I should not have been driving on those roads. There is no reality in which I should have been out driving. But when I finally get back to my condo, having barely been able to get into my parking spot because of these huge drifts that had formed, I take a moment to survey the scene. I was drenched in both sweat and melted snow, but the world was silent and my heart was racing. And I had this out-of-body experience where I was standing motionless at the top of my stairs, breathing heavily because of this insane journey I'd just been on. And it was like I could see myself standing on those stairs, observing myself like some alien species spying on some lower life forms. It was only a moment before I snapped back into reality and I needed to pack. So of course I go on and be, you know, (laughs) try and prepare for this trip. For me, this snow felt like bad timing. After all these months for a blizzard to sweep through the city, I feared that I'd have my flight canceled or delayed to such an extent that I'd miss out on the shows I'd already bought tickets for. I considered that even with the poor planning on my part, that it would be all trashed that I would have everything that I hoped for go to waste. Jen, I am here to tell you that my week definitely wasn't a waste, but it was a week where bad timing was a recurring theme, and it was also a week where I completely lost my mind. There's a little bit of a setup here for you, Jen. (laughs) Kyle. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. There's more. I... Yeah, I assume there's much more here. That's just the the setup to my story, Jen. I'm nervous because 
I think a lot of people in your ecosystem, myself, chiefly among them, have been feeling a long time that you've been dangling too far off a cliff. And Mm -hmm. those people who follow me on social media would know that I do worry. I try to manage by fact, but I do worry. But there was something, there was something about you leaving for that trip to New York. I remember sleeping in my own bed, which with Jesus is something I rarely do. And I remember the day you got there, I remember just jerking myself awake and thinking this terrible feeling that you were in New York and you might not have been okay. You sent multiple messages to me, Jen, asking if I was okay. Of course, I didn't respond because of some stuff that you'll find out here soon enough. But yes. <laughs> so what? So what happened? Okay. Because I know you were. Pa- I know you were panicked about going mm-hmm. because you were just like, at some point, this dream that I have of this great time away mm-hmm. and this confrontation that we knew you were going to have around your crush. I think you you had this feeling that at some point this rug is going to be ripped out from under me. Mm-hmm. And that was really the spirit to which you went. So you get there and what happened? So considering that there was this blizzard the day before, the morning actually didn't go all that badly. I was driving to a friend's place who would be taking my car for the week and checking in on my place while I was gone. And as soon as I arrived at her place, I remembered I'd forgotten all those documents I'd gotten printed out the day before. So (laughs) luckily, because I like arriving so goddamn early to things, we had time to drive back to my place, pick up all those documents, grab a second mask that I wanted to bring anyway, and still get to the airport only five minutes after the recommended time people show up to the airport for international (laughs) travel. I get on the plane, and my tummy kind of starts to knot itself up, not in terror or anxiety, but in excitement. I was supposed to be on this trip two years ago before the world exploded. And I love New York. Unabashedly, I love everything about it. I like the sickly, garbagey smell that wafts over you as you first step outside the airport. Mm, Yum. I love the people who, in my opinion, are abrasive but kind. And it would be amazing to be in a Broadway audience again. I love that feeling of being swept away by a good story. That excitement lasted about half of the flight. And then I started to notice a far different emotion. Often I use flights to catch up on work because, yes, I'm extremely boring. However, because I wanted to not be stuck on a computer as much as possible while in the city, I had dedicated myself to getting work done before I left. So, yes, you did. I was like three weeks ahead of all of my personal projects as well as all my client projects. However, the unintended consequences to that strategy is that it allowed my mind to wander and it found myself a bit scared about my reality. Who was I? Am I actually living my best life? Is this it? And what I'm about to say comes from my ability to think this over the last uh, few days, but I have definitely been using work as an excuse to avoid tough realities. I've kept piling things onto my plate, yes, because I want to grow my business and be successful, but also because I didn't want to allow even a moment of silence to enter my life. This is also probably, Jen, why I've watched over 550 films last year. Any spare moment that I was not working, I was then filling with either entertainment or doing a task, just anything to keep me busy, anything that would allow my focus to be on something else. And with my mind not focused on anything, this creeping dread emerged that I tried desperately to push down by listening to podcasts and music, but that feeling would not go away. This kind of like impending dread. But once I landed in New York, Everything kind of came back into focus. And I was like, no, everything's going to work out. It has to. And because all I ever bring is a carry-on, thank you, Jen, of course, for lending me your bag, I was <laughs> out of that airport and onto the Sky Train within five minutes, off to take the city by storm, off to be bold, off to profess, why is that city getting smaller? Fuck, I'm on the wrong train. 
So, for, <laughs> oh, no. so for two hours, I struggled for how to get to this Airbnb that I needed to be at. It, it was just, it took me like an hour and a half longer than it needed to. I was already feeling a bit lightheaded, having had nothing but the ginger ale that I drink on the plane. And so by the time I get to where I'm supposed to be, I was sweaty. I was grumpy. I was almost passing out because of low blood sugar. So I meet my Airbnb host and I should say not a sponsor, at least not yet. I find this good Mexican place, get myself some tacos, grab a gin drink and do my first bold action of my trip. I take out my phone. I text my crush. Hey, just got in. How'd you like to meet for drinks tomorrow night? We'd already agreed to go and see a show the day after. For reasons way too convoluted to get into here, I had an extra ticket. So I was speeding up our meeting by about 24 hours. And he responds 20 minutes later, Oh man, that sounds great. But I'm at a party that night. Maybe after? Let me know. So it wasn't a no, but it also was not a yes. And so that's, of course, when the dark thoughts start to percolate a little it. bit into my brain. Yeah, don't but I brushed, own it. I, br- I brush them away as I order another gin drink and eventually stumble back to where I'm staying to collapse into bed and I fall asleep on that first night. That's my first day in New York City. That's everybody's first day in New York City. <laughs> Hot, sweaty, need to eat street food, be bold, pass out. That's every. That's the New York Eat until you almost vomit, so pass out, have a great yep. sleep. Jen, my first morning in New York City could not have started in a more stereotypical way. So at like roughly 6.30, a very angry New York man yells out, get the fuck out of my way. And that's why I love this city, Jen. Never a dull moment. I love that city. Yep, for sure. (laughs) So, you know, I get up, shower, get ready for the day. But this uh, problem arises. So you maybe recall this from earlier on when I mentioned that I didn't have any specific plans. Well, that reality now kind of drops into my lap because when given the choice to do anything in a city that you love, it's kind of hard to prioritize what it is you actually want to do. Yes. So I start to kind of do things that are close by. But this this strange thing happens again, like that out of body experience at the top of my stairs a couple of days before I once again could feel myself becoming like separated from my body as if watching myself do things while they were happening. I walked to the theater district. That's fine, I guess. I spent some time weaving around Central Park. That's a thing. I suppose I'll go to this coffee shop, grab a pastry from this bakery. You have lots of distance to this man waving his not very impressive penis in front of a busload of tourists. Like mm. I was in New York, but I didn't feel present in New York. Mm. But I make my way into Brooklyn, a place that I actually have not spent a lot of time in on my previous trips. I find this great Italian restaurant. I walk around Prospect Park, but I felt like I was like just playing the part of a tourist rather than actually enjoying being a tourist, which is worrying. Being immersive. Yeah. yeah. I've been waiting for so long to get here. Like, why was I not loving what I was doing? I send another text because I was getting tired. There weren't a lot of places to sit down that didn't also require you to pay money to be inside of them. And as you know, my skin is delicate, like the finest of porcelain. So I need to get inside somewhere. (laughs) That's right. It's hot. (laughs) My text basically reads, I'm going to be in your area for the next 40 minutes. Let me know if you're going to have time to meet or if I should just go back to my place now. And this is this is another text to the crush. Correct. So no Mm -hmm. response. So I wait the 40 minutes. Still no response. I get on the train back to my place. I people watch. A man sitting next to me rants about those damn motherfuckers, which, you know, without being super specific about which motherfuckers he was talking about. No response. I get back to my Airbnb. I get ready for bed. I scroll on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit and really feel awful about myself. I feel like I wasted this day. No response. I go to sleep. I tell you that there's no response. (laughs) There's nothing that I got back. Let's stay tuned. Don't own it. Don't own it. Don't own it. Don't own it. So the next day is is meat day. Yeah. Day three. This is the day. 
The day that I'm supposed to meet and confront my crush, the past six months have been leading to this. How could this go wrong? There still, of course, is no response. So I forced myself to send another text to clarify when and where we wanted to meet, which I always hate sending the follow-up because I loathe feeling like a nag. But he responds almost immediately, apologizing for not getting back to me last night, but that the party had gone on longer than he expected. He recommends meeting in front of the theater. Cool. I'm excited. I was eager to go out and actually do something. There are so many charming areas of the city to explore. So I go down to the street. I go out the front door of the building. I walk about half a block and I immediately go, nope. So those out-of-body experiences, what I'm going to call disassociative what? episodes, had been these cracks forming in my psyche, I think. Uh, and those cracks that had been forming finally broke open like an eggshell and everything around me now seemed to be just too much, too bright, too rough, too loud. The idea of walking even one more step was like if you were greeted in the morning by a stranger saying, hey, you had to go run a marathon. <laughs> like that's basically the, the challenge. So I go back to my room. My breath is getting shallower. And then I realize exactly what's going on. I'm in the beginning stages of a giant panic attack. Yeah, it was like one of like the world's strongest men had come up behind me and placed one hand on my chest and another between my shoulder blades and just squeezed as hard as he possibly could. So my heart felt like it was being squished and I fall into bed in tears, becoming too overwhelmed to do anything. Now, had I been here at home in Calgary, I truly believe that there would have been some ways I could have combated this a little bit easier. But but you're too far in a different city with people walking around my living space with the sound of commotion and police sirens and the ever present clatter of New York. There was nowhere I could go and just feel comfortable and start to try to calm myself down. So instead, for the next two hours, I languish in my bed, getting angry at myself for ruining my trip, becoming exasperated about my reality. What am I freaking out about? Why was my body failing me in my most necessary moment? And to put it simply, I was super pissed off. Like, I was just like, what? Yeah. Why is this happening? And why is it happening now? You'd meet that with some rage for sure. And so, except for that brief moment in the morning, I didn't do anything that day. I stayed in my room, under the covers, fretting about nothing in particular, trying to remember how to breathe. I think it's easy to assume that I was afraid or nervous about meeting the crush. And I will, I will yeah. be, uh, I, I will admit that perhaps a very small part of it is that. But I've been nervous about going on dates before. I know what that feels like. This was not nervousness. This was like sheer panic about like everything and nothing all at once. It was like in this single moment while walking down the street, I had been shown a glimpse of my future and nothing about it seemed appealing. Now, I want to stop the story for a moment here <laughs> because the Kyla right now has these negative thoughts about why I want more than what I have. Like, why should I be so special? Nobody has the life that they thought they wanted. And honestly, I get it. This probably has more than a hint of whininess to it, but I don't care. This was the weight that was crashing down on me in the moment. So back to the story. And you have every right <laughs> to dream big. Back to the story. You have every right to dream big. If this was how I was acting pre-meeting, like what was going to happen when we finally did meet? And for a not insubstantial amount of time, I considered canceling. I didn't think I was in any condition to be out in public, but here's the thing. My own stubbornness pushed me through because even with a panic attack happening, I have this deep fear of letting people down. So even though this dull yes. ache in my chest was persisting, I put on my nice clothes, I grab the tickets and I go to the theater. The show that we're seeing is this show called Company, uh, which first debuted in 1970. Uh, like it's a 50 year old show here at this point. This was the show that I'd meant to have seen two years ago, this reimagining of the Sondheim classic that originally was about a man who's turning 35, who's still single, and his friends, all of whom are married, 
give him advice on what he should do next. And it culminates oh, in this gee. realization. How, how fitting. Yeah, how, how fitting, fitting isn't it? And it culminates in this realization that he doesn't want to be alone anymore, that he's been having these meaningless hookups rather than discovering true connections. Now, this prediction yeah. in particular is noteworthy because the main character has been made into a woman this time, which does change the show and some of the themes that it's exploring. But And I was excited to see it. I want to see how they kind of reevaluated it in a current context. The crush had been texting throughout the day and 35 minutes before curtain, he suggests grabbing the drink before the show starts. He t- tells okay. me what a bar. Good sign. Yeah. He recommends a bar two blocks away. And now I am fast walking to this place to actually see him in the flesh for the first time. Now, Jen, I don't want to slide too much into hyperbole. Like, there's a real chance that I'm going to be way too over the top and overstate how this moment played out. But fuck it, it's my story. Jen, <laughs> it was magic. Like, a movie he enters this bar haloed in the golden late afternoon light his smile was large he opens up his arms and embraces me he laughs easily (sighs) and by cracking a few jokes he puts me at ease like instantly even though i'm a bit thrown because all the lines of course have been rehearsing for like the last three months get interrupted by either the bartender or other patrons or the servers which is adding a bit to my anxiety like this is not going the way that i had like scripted it yes but after a bit, it's just us having a great conversation and uh, just nice being with someone. I'd been by myself now for three days. And this is mm-hmm. the first interaction I've actually had with another human being uh, more than this, like pain for something. Thinking back on it now, I will say part of the anxiety attack might have been brought on by the fact that I was all by myself um, and the awfulness I felt at being almost 40 and having no partner in my life. But uh, I don't know. Do you think I should play the sad violin underneath this part or not, Jen? What, what? No, 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 Kyle. No, it's, you're trying to devalue your feelings. I know. Okay, so back at the bar, we noticed that we need to get to the theater and we run back there, get to our seats, which I think were pretty great. So I'll pat myself on the back for that. And we begin <laughs> and we begin watching the show. And it's a great production. I'm not going to bore you or the listeners with an in-depth review, um, but uh, I'm here to tell you four out of five quality show. It's great. Okay, um, here we go. We learn a bit more about each other during the intermission. He touches my arm a few times while talking with me. And then I come to this realization that is so obvious, but really felt like a, this new inspiration when I was talking to him. I actually don't know a lot about him. Uh, but before I can ask any more questions. Which is very, which we know is very typical of crushes, right? Correct. Yeah. Because we fall in love with the idea of the crush, exactly. not the crush itself. Yes. Now, before I can ask any more questions, lights go down, start of act two. And that goes by pretty quickly, mostly because the majority of second acts on Broadway shows are super short. And the That's final right. song, as I kind of have mentioned here before, Being Alive, very Being important alive. song to me. I think I've even mentioned it on this show before, but it's that that classic line, mm-hmm. that classic line that reads. <laughs> well, well, the main character has this final self-discovery about what they want and they proudly belt out. I, this is where it ends. It says, uh, somebody crowd me with love. Somebody forced me to care. Somebody let me come through. I'll always be there as frightened as you to help us survive being alive, being alive. So it felt prescient <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were trying to have your own being alive moment. I, well, yeah, because I, you know, I noticed only a couple of hours before, like, this is part of what I was missing. I want someone in my life for somebody to make it better, to improve my happiness. And I needed to be somebody, not just somebody. That's a lyric from the show. Yeah. I wasn't, <laughs> so I wasn't sure what was going to happen next. Uh, immediately after, like, the now standard standing ovation that happens at every show, I asked, like, hey, do you need to run away? And he says, no, there, there's something I need to do tomorrow morning, but I you know I have a couple hours left of my night that I can spare. So we wander Times Square for a bit. 
then find ourselves in this upstairs bar drinking sangrias. And we talk a lot about what he does. I ask my standard questions to get to know people better. The first being, what's the first thing you ever became obsessed with? And then what's the weirdest thing that you can't explain that's happened to you? Uh, so really oh, good conversation. So yeah, questions. really good conversation beats. We're joking, but there is this nagging realization that started in the theater that I thought I knew him, but really I only knew about what he portrays online because that's really the only time that's we've right. interacted with each other. Yeah. And this is truly me getting to know a person, not the idea of a person, which, as we just mentioned, mm-hmm. is a fundamentally different thing. Yes. Yes. And suddenly there is a part of me that feels like this is wrong. Like I was going to blindside him, but he didn't sign up for this. He was meeting an online person that he only sort of knows. I guess I'll say friend, but you know, that might be too strong of a word, Jen. You know, I don't like using yeah. that word too liberally. We're barely friends Kyle yet. Th- yeah, Kyle doesn't throw that out <laughs> easily. Were this actually positioned as a first date, I'd feel far different. But this was the expectation of watching a show and meeting each other. To jump into a romantic angle felt... Like I said, wrong somehow, but I made the commitment to ask the question and I know it's now or never. I need to ask that question. Can I take you on a date? That is how I was going to phrase it. Yes. By the way, I, I did not. I'm not going to go into it. It is humbling how many hours I spent on how I wanted to phrase the question, like what words to use in what order. But he's that looking- should surprise no one listening. It's not surprising this listener but that's why we love you that's why we love you i know i need to ask this question he's looking at his phone as someone has just texted him and i open my mouth i'm literally forming the first word can when he cuts me off and asks what are you doing tomorrow night (gasps) which takes me by surprise because i wasn't expecting that and i stammer for a couple of seconds i'm I'm sorry nothing i no no plans i have no plans even if i did i would have said no plans (laughs) and he says with a smile do you want to come to a pajama party tomorrow night? And he kind of laughs about that because that's what I'm doing. Perfect. Spending more time together. <laughs> sum me up. I agree. Let's do it. But he now needs to go back home. It's after midnight. We ride the train for a couple of stops before I need to get off. I thank him again for coming. Ask him to text me about the party, which he laughs about and agrees to. I get off the train, disappear into the night. I'm elated. Jen, quite possibly, this was the best night I have ever spent in New York City. Oh, the joy, <laughs> the joy, the joy, the joy tells me, tell me your happiness that I'm experiencing. Your at this heart point. is open. Kyle, mm-hmm. please, please tell me we're going to go home. We're going to take this home, Jen. Yeah, please tell me it just gets better from here. <laughs> well, I wake up smiling. That That's the good point of the story. Yeah, It is such a good day. I go and get my New York bagel. Everything seems so good. I decide to go and check out this small indie movie theater called the Metrograph. Uh, I text the crush, ask him how his thing went that he had to go and do in the morning. I go and check out Chinatown. I get a boba tea. There's been no response. I decide to head back to my Airbnb. Still no response. I'm on the subway. It's getting more and more packed. My breathing starts to get more and more shallow. And I realize I am about to succumb to my second panic attack in two days. Luckily, I'm only one stop away, but I am like silently screaming i am desperately trying to escape my own skin because there's literally no air coming into my lungs i just make it back to my airbnb before again collapsing onto my bed crying totally upset that my body is like hell-bent on making this trip a living nightmare for me and i stay in bed for like the next three hours oh by the way there's been no response so what is going on like maybe yesterday i could understand with all the stress and expectations but last night had been like great so like, why is my brain shutting itself down? And so I stay in bed and stay in bed. There's no response. And I finally muster up some courage to send a second message because it's almost 7 p.m. now at this point. And like, 
am I invited to the pajama party? Am I still invited to this party? 10 minutes later, I do get a response and he says, sorry, somehow missed your first message. He tells me how his thing went. And then he admits that the party is just for him and his high school friends. Friends he had in high school, I should point out. My crush is not in high school. Yeah. I need to make that very clear. <laughs> Thank you clear. for clarifying. Because when he said just me and some high school people, I was like, Kyle, get out of there. <laughs> Kyle, get out of there. Shut that down. Uh, anyway, uh, that I probably wouldn't find it all that fun if I were to come. And then I play the conversation. Which com- is honest. Yeah. Right? Which is honest. And then, but then I play back the conversation from the previous night. Like, I don't think he had been inviting me. He'd been mockingly saying what he'd been invited to. And sarcastically had asked me if I had wanted to come. And of course, because I was so well, into him, I thought he was being yeah, but genuine. You don't know. That's misleading. Anybody saying you want to come to it. Like, come on. Okay. Like, that's it's OK for you. To, well, that's here's validate that. I start to feel bad. Um, and I'm like, fine, I'll send another text. And I ask him, OK, well, great and everything. But is it possible to meet one more time for like either coffee or drinks? No response right away. So, of course, I'm despondent. I drag myself out of bed and intellectually, I know I probably should be eating food because I haven't had really anything that day yet besides that bagel in the morning. I find this bar. I go and drink a bunch of drinks to numb myself, which does ease the anxiety a bit, which was nice. I eat these scraps Wrong of food. Wrong type of easing. But yeah, Wrong exactly. Type of easing. Uh, eat some scraps of food. Can't finish my plate. And on the way back, I noticed this local movie theater in the side. Let's be numb while watching a film, which is how at 10 p.m., in New York City, I found myself in a massive theater with only one other person watching the new Nicolas Cage movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. <laughs> oh, boy. That is right. And perhaps unsurprisingly to many of the people listening, uh, I did not like the movie. However. Oh, gee, shocker. However, I did cry through the entire thing. Oh. And yes, it was an emotional reaction to the movie itself. Let me break this down. This is a film where Nick Cage, that's N-I-C, Nick Cage plays a character named Nick Cage, that's N-I-C-K, and the action film that happens around him when he's invited to appear as himself at a rich superfan's birthday party. But there's mm-hmm. also this subplot about his relationship with his ex-wife and his daughter where he needs to confront the fact that as much as he's beloved by his movie fans, he's not good at this other aspect of his life. And so this stupid, bad movie caused me to spiral into this existential crisis because my reality could not have been made more clear in that moment in an empty theater in the middle of Manhattan. I am bad at this, Jen. You often talk about looking at the facts and running the numbers and looking at the actual data sets that were given. And the truth is, I am bad at dating. I am bad at relationships. I am no good at it, which of course makes us giving advice even extra ridiculous. You know, I recently saw this tweet that read, it's not a red flag if someone is single at 35. But it is if they've never had a relationship that's lasted longer than a year and a half. And I agree. I've never had a long-term relationship. In the past four years, I've had three and a half relationships, if I'm being generous. None of those have lasted longer than a month. I rarely have sex. I've literally wasted some of my best years because I've been focusing all my attention to other things, hoping that a relationship will just fall into my lap without me having to do any of the hard work. I am bad at this. I am the problem to this. And I need to be upfront with that because you cannot fix a problem if you can't admit to it first. So I solved my way through this terrible movie while eating my soggy popcorn and drinking way too much Coca-Cola. Also not a sponsor. Uh, And I should (laughs) let everyone know that my mental torment was only just beginning. Oh, my God. Also, there had been no response. (laughs) That's that's where I was on after day four. Oh, my God. So, of course, I wake up, still no response. And this is the part where I need to be like extremely fair 
to this crush, this person, because I do not want it to make it seem like I'm blaming him or setting this up. Like he is the reason that my New York trip was ruined. It's like far from it. This is the problem with fantasies. I had built up this fantasy in my head without doing any of the work. We know each other from some interactions that we occasionally have on Twitter. We text a couple of times every two or three months in which I always initiate those conversations. We aren't really even friends in the traditional sense. Like this whole story I've been making up is just that. It's a fiction to make it seem like I was about to star in my own romantic comedy. I had made him into an object that I could conveniently slot into my life. And Which all- is what people do with crushes, to be fair. Yes, be I know. I know it is. But Kyle. also something was happening simultaneously that proves how shitty of a person I am. Kyle. A guest from putting it together, the podcast I host about the work of Stephen Sondheim, had reached out to me. They wanted to meet up. And what was I doing? Not answering their messages, keeping the conversation light, making them send two messages before I answered back. I was doing oh. the exact same, same thing, thing I was experiencing. And once I noticed that, things became so much clearer to me. So putting myself into my crush's shoes, I'm just a guy on the internet that they kind of know who is in the city that he lives in. And so he came out and hung out one night. He does not owe me anything more than that. And it's something I would do if someone came to Calgary, but I have work to do. I'm not going to go and spend every night with someone. Now, this takes us back to me admitting that I'm the problem. If this is ever to happen, then I need to work on myself first. And then I need to build the friendship on top of that strong foundation. And then we could explore taking it to the next level. I wanted to skip the first and second steps and go straight to home base, which I feel I have now mixed too many metaphors together. But I go and meet another person that I know from interacting online. They've been a guest quite a few times. I'm putting it together as well. We have brunch. She gives me this old playbill that I'm very excited to now have. We have this great discussion about company and what her thoughts on the show were. I'm starting to feel somewhat like myself. The actual human interactions have been good for my soul. And then I wander over to the theater district again and try and get back into the groove of like, so I have a few more days where I can get back into what this whole trip was about in the first place to see shows. I pay way too much money to go and see this play starring Robert Morris and Mary Louise Parker, which was good, came highly recommended, uh, but I did not know what it was about. And it had so much more pedophilia than I was anticipating. So, oh, God, Kyle. Yeah, the, crew, the group behind me was super not impressed. But, oh. <laughs> but even though I was like enjoying the drama that it was exploring, about halfway through, I began to disassociate for like the third time and I was watching myself watching the play, observing my reactions to it. I was again going through the motions of what I thought I should be doing rather than being present. And then during dinner where again I had pushed some food around my plate while I drank like way too much hard cider, I began to question myself. Of course this wasn't the crush's fault. How could it be? Like I had these panic attacks before we'd even met. I'd been uh, feeling off even before I left Calgary. You know, also I've been ghosted before. So of course it hurts and it sucks, but like not to the point where I could barely leave my room and spin out into an existential panic for three days straight. So like what was going on? This was the night that I came to the realization that I hadn't really listened to myself for a while. While I certainly was in a different city without any responsibilities, it was precisely those responsibilities that I had been hiding behind for the past year and a half. I simply was finding myself buried underneath a house of cards collapsing into itself. I've been distracting myself with work. I'd created this fantasy which had been far too ambitious to ever come true. And lastly, I neglected myself for so long that I didn't even know who I was anymore. And that last point was what truly made me scared and made me tear up again. This like dull ache of discontent that I've had over the past few years made so much more sense now that the egg had finally cracked open. 
It wasn't that I'm like just depressed or a sad person or self-deprecating. I was in a deep depression because I've not allowed my true self to come out. And to be utterly truthful, I don't even know what that true self is, which is terrifying. So it was quite the internal realization that I had while eating spaghetti. The truth, Jen, that I need to admit to you and to everyone listening is that I don't like my life. And I need to be abundantly clear that, that what you might hear when I say that is that I want to kill myself. That is not what I'm saying. No. That was my 20s. No. <laughs> and okay, I that's honest. I don't like my life in that I don't like what I'm doing now. I don't like how I present myself. I don't like how I dress. I don't like where I live. Now, the good thing, all of that is fixable. But the hilarious thing is that I'm having like this emotional internal revelation as a group of tourists chow down open mouth mere feet for me. <laughs> Which is usually what how that happens. It's yeah. usually how the, it's the most awkward thing that's happening around you where you're like, uh, I'm just having this like this moment. But like, I, as I said before, you can't fix a problem if you can't admit that there is one. That was the end of my fifth day in New York City, Jen. Yeah. And for those of you listening, he was in New York for 100 days. So, yeah, so strap in, everyone. Might want to go to the bathroom now. <laughs> OK, no. Do you want to keep going? I do. <laughs> OK. Here's day six. No response, of course, when I wake up in the morning. That morning was so frustrating. I tried to go yeah, to the MoMA, but it was the day where only members could go in, so I couldn't go yep. in. Mm-hmm. So then I go and try and that meet happens. up. With, so then I go and try and meet up with that guest from putting it together who's been contacting me throughout the week. I go to the place we decided. I order my cider again, and then he canceled on me. So I alone. <laughs> Uh, Now, I'd bought tickets for this new Broadway musical called A Strange Loop. If you're not familiar, it won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama back in 2019 for its off-Broadway run. It's now transferred to Broadway with a bunch of famous producers. Still, it was still in previews for this one last night that I was going to go and see it before it had like its premiere on Broadway the next night. And I intentionally not looked up what it was about, although I did know that it involved a queer black protagonist. That was about as much as I knew what the show entailed. And let me tell you, Often, great art comes into your life at exactly the right moment. The moment when you need it most. Yeah. Yeah. How else do you explain that Nicolas Cage movie that I had seen two nights <laughs> ago? Look, my experience is not an exact mirror of the protagonist in this show. He's this black queer musical theater composer writing a show about a black queer musical theater composer who is writing a musical about a black queer musical theater composer, if that makes sense. Uh, I, I swear it does if Hence you watch the, the show. Yeah. But it deeply spoke to me. And in fact, the final song, fittingly called A Strange Loop, made the whole world collapse around me. It was like it was made specifically for me on a night in which I was feeling pretty low. But also ready. I am also ready to let it come in. Yeah, I am massively editing this down. But here's part of the song. Like This is how the show ends, essentially. With our main character standing facing the audience. Um, And I wish I could sing, but I can't. Uh, This is what he says. Should I give up on hoping my point of view will shift and let this agony just be my greatest gift? But if that is the secret, that makes like zero sense. I'll never change forever if I stay on the fence. With doubts I let define me and lust I can't express and pain I keep avoiding and rage that I repress. I should stop overthinking and do the thing that's tough. Unleash my hungry lion, because Lord, he's had enough. Mm. Would that be sufficient or would that be a sham? Because even with those actions, I'm stuck with who I am. Someone whose self-perception is based upon a lie. 
someone whose only problem is with the pronoun I. Maybe I don't need changing. Maybe I should regroup because change is just an illusion and I is just an illusion. If thoughts are just an illusion, then what a strange, strange loop. Jen. Yes. I couldn't move. I've known about this show for years, but had never listened to the full score before. This life wisdom had been hiding in plain view, only to reveal itself at the most crucial of moments in my life. And the most critical moment. And I wept. Like I I'm felt sure those words. Every syllable pierced into me like darts hitting the cork. Like even though I'm a bisexual white man, for that moment. It was me up on that stage. And it was a deeper moment than Company, because in Company, the character is singing about, yes, allowing another person into your life, but with the subtext being that that person can help fix you. While these lyrics are about the realization that you have to be enough for yourself first before you can hope to bring anyone else in. And so I left in this daze. Like, I felt I'd been in a conversation with my psyche for two hours. I shuffled through Times Square, which was, like, packed with people. Course, and I... Yeah. Never felt quite so alone while drifting in between the packs of people engaged in the most excessive displays of consumerism. I found my way back to my Airbnb somehow. I don't even remember swiping my Metro card or riding the subway. But my head was like throbbing, thinking at what I should do next on how to unleash the lion. That is how that day ended. So what happened next? Well... Of course, Dan, you might notice the pattern here. There's no response. So because of a flight cancellation and some booking issues, I need to relocate for one night out to Brooklyn. I pack up my life, say goodbye to my host, grab the traditional New York slice from Pizza Suprema, which was a very good choice, and spent over an hour navigating the trains and walking to this new place that I'd be, that I'd be staying for one night. Yeah. Now, because of the length of the trip, I didn't want to go back into Manhattan and travel back to Brooklyn, so I decided just to stay out in Brooklyn for the night. And that got me to this French restaurant. Again, I wasn't really super hungry, so I start drinking some hard ciders once more. I ordered the Caesar salad, which proved to be a huge mistake because it came out with actual sardines draped on a full head of lettuce and with dressing, uh, how do I say this tactfully? jizzed over top of it like oh my god was, kyle it was bad I, I like i choked it down got another cider and ordered the key lime pie which is a much better choice yes colin pie <laughs> here's my own another psychosis thing i have i have this like need to send thank you notes to people this is something new that i have done started doing in the last few years i like to let people know that i value their time or their effort or their care especially while i'm traveling so i sent a few messages to a couple of the people thanking them for meeting up with me or giving me recommendations while I was there and letting them know how they were my highlights of my stay in New York. Did not mention my complete mental breakdown as I thought that might be a bit of an overshare that's, to people. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> and then I don't know if it was the cider talking. It absolutely was the cider talking. I decided, fuck it. If this guy isn't going to respond to me, I'm going to send one last message. And I crush. let him have it, Jen. By, oh no, the wall. By gracefully thanking him for coming out, recommended he check out this strange loop, and mentioned how I hoped I wasn't too weird. Oh, okay. Jen, immediate response back. Oh my god, you were a delight. I'm so glad we got to meet. Smiley face emoji. What the fuck am I supposed to do with that? I'm asking. That was the end of my day. <laughs> am I... I don't know if I'm supposed to commiserate. You have two choices, as per the usual Jen Sanford mm -hmm. standard. You have two choices. 
I can commiserate and go, oh, man, that guy. Mm-hmm. Or I can give you some I can be a friend and <sighs> give you some and lean into you a little bit. Which would you like door number one or door number let's two? Do, let's do two. Because I think he's actually being genuine just based on his personality. That, that probably was a very genuine message he sent back. I think he's being totally genuine. And I think that all of his behavior has nothing to do with him and everything to do with you. <laughs> One of the things that makes me incredibly nervous about you is that because you think so smallly of yourself, you allow the opinions of others that are insignificant and don't matter to totally sway your position, your disposition, and your insufferability about yourself. <laughs> and look at this story, yeah. you know, it's, hey, how you doing? And you're like, hi, singing from Times Square. You're like the, you're your own naked cowboy. Mm-hmm. And then the moment where he's too busy or, or too casual, you're like, I'm not worthy. And you deprive yourself of any type of joy. By locking yourself in in the place where you were staying, and again, I don't, I, I don't want to make it seem like he was the he was the cause of me going into a tailspin. I think it was other factors that I, led to that. I agree. I agree that there were other factors. I agree completely, and I hope that we have a chance to unpack them. Yeah, because that's where we're leading into with this next part here, Jen. So okay, before we get ahead of going. ourselves, this is the thing. So next day, travel back to Calgary. I actually took a couple of meetings while waiting in the airport. I drink a couple of ginger ales on the plane, of course, and the last get to fall into my own bed, which was much appreciated. But the plane ride did allow me to remain introspective for a few more hours. Here's the question I asked myself. Was this a wasted trip? So the short answer is yes, but the more truthful and longer answer, I think, is no. This is what we're leading up to. Maybe this whole story is a way for me to justify my behavior. And I guess that's for you or the listeners to decide. But I need to reiterate how I lost myself in New York. I became completely unmoored from reality for at least two days because of choices that I've been making for the last few years. Like, I truly lost my mind. I barely ate. I couldn't get out of bed. I was terrified of my own thoughts. This isn't some overreaction to meeting a crush. Most of what happened. Mm -hmm. That is true. Most of that happened before we even met. And this was a reckoning with my own decisions that just so happened to topple me at the worst possible time. But that's kind of what happens, you know, when you don't address mental health concerns and try to self-medicate or use avoidance to try and fix all your problems. So here's my epilogue. That's what I think that I learned. But here are the things I want to do because I don't want to be continuing complaining about this in another four months and nothing changes. And then this podcast becomes even more about white people complaining. And so here's my check. Uh, white person. I'm not complaining. White person. I have some complaints, Jen. But <laughs> <laughs> and so this is a checklist of sorts. And some of these are easy and some okay. of them are not. But here they are. Jen. We need to go on a shopping trip. I think we've talked about this both on and off the podcast. I want to change my wardrobe to stuff that expresses myself more rather than only wearing functional clothing. I want to dress much more fabulous than I do currently. And I've been afraid to explore that. I want to downsize my life and improve my living conditions, meaning there are some fixes I want to do in the home I'm living in. And there are just a bunch of what I'm going to call junk, but that hopefully other people find to be treasures that I just want to remove from my life. I just don't want them to be around me anymore uh, and feel comfortable in my living space. Uh, I need to explore my sexuality more. We talked a couple of months ago, kind of jokingly, kind of serious about how great it would be to have someone be that teacher to help you through questions and hardships. And I'm going to start looking for that. Sexual mentor. Yeah, sexual mentor. I'm going to start looking for that person. I don't 
know what that actually means. To be perfectly honest, I really don't know what that means. But to add issues, like I'm a bit resistant to grinder, but that might be an avenue to to explore. I'm also somewhat terrified of like STDs and that sort of thing. So I have to be very careful with like who I allow in and and help me out with that. I also need to have more LGBTQ plus friends. And by that, I mean, and by more, I mean any, like full stop. I have some people who I would call acquaintances, but I'm not really close to anybody within that umbrella. And I think I'm missing that. There's this huge part of my life where I just feel like some of the stresses and things that I want to talk about, I can't talk to anybody about because I don't have that close relationship with those people. I'm going to write more. I want to be known as a writer first and foremost, something that I have already committed to, but now I'm going to be laser focused on is finishing that second draft of a book that I wrote a few years ago, and then I can get people to look and give it feedback to me. So if there's any listeners out there that uh, want to volunteer, feel free to reach out. Dave and I, uh, other podcast partners are writing a screenplay. I had this bolt of inspiration for a TV pilot that I want to get onto paper. And, uh, you know, who knows if any of this will you know, amount to anything, but I need to go and do it. Plus, I want to try and do some freelance article writing, criticism, research, interviews for online or print publications. I don't know how any of that works, but I do have some contacts I can reach out to. So I feel that there's some ways to get in. I also want to lean more into podcast production and keep building that out. Like I've had these ideas for shows and other fiction podcasts I like to develop. And now as I've gotten more contacts, like with producers, directors, actors on Broadway, it feels like I could probably lean more into that than what I've been doing. And finally, Jen, this is the wild one that I'm speaking out into the universe. I think I want to move to New York City. I know how wild that seems after this long rambling story that I've just gone on, but I think I need to do it. And in order to do that, I need to cash in some favors, sell off a few things, and you know probably find somebody who is also moving there so that I can afford to live there. I want to do this 15 years ago, and then depression kicked my ass. I tried to kill myself, and then made myself believe I'm too old. So maybe oh. I am, and I'm you know I'm looking down the barrel of 40, but I do need to try and live that life I want to at least for a while. Who knows if it'll be a forever move, but I think it's something I need to do just to get it out of my system. Oh, I also need to be honest because this is not me moving to New York for my crush. I, I don't want to make that be the subtext of this. I don't think anyone thinks that. Probably though. not. That, and again, I'm putting a pause to that whole thing. I'm not moving there for him. A, because that would be psychotic and setting myself up for massive failure. I want to move there for me because I wanted to and chickened out. I'm not moving there for him. I'm really moving there for me. I want to be able to look in the mirror each and every morning and confidently say that I am living the life that I want, being the person that I want to be. Even if I fail at life, at the very least, I can feel like I'm being honest. And for the last couple of years, I've been bold and successful in my business, but at the expense of myself. I was becoming a better person at making money, but not a better person at making myself fulfilled. And all these changes, to wrap this all up, are not things that are happening like in the next month. It's going to be a journey with stumbles. And as soon as I feel that I can invite people into my circle and not keep putting up these walls that I'm so good at building, well, I feel like I've advanced to that next level. It's um, a cliche. It's always going to be a process. But with all these major moves and works I'm giving myself a timeline on for a year from now are things that I really need to commit to, to kind of become that self that I want to be. So Jen, I appreciate that this is a lot. that that my mental breakdown is not fair to regurgitate to you for an hour but as an outside observer what do you think i don't know what to say (laughs) i don't know what to say (sighs) i'm sweating you you can't see it i'm literally flop sweating right now i can see it oh (laughs) i can i can see it i want to say that i have a complaint 
<laughs> Can I just start by airing my grievances? Yeah. Maybe everything that you listed on this list, you started with I. Mm-hmm. And I wish that you wouldn't do that. Why? Because there's a lot of people, me especially, that can help you to achieve these goals. And I think we get confused too easily that because we're in a period of self-growth, that we still have to do that alone. I think this is what I've been... I think this is why my own life is so stunted is because I've been like, I want to pursue these things. Therefore, I am on a journey alone. And I don't know how many more reckonings you have to have before you're going to realize that you can have the life that you can inspire, aspire to, but you can bring people along to help you to get there. Because I think it's unnecessarily insufferable when you have to go alone. And I'm one of those people who so many things in my own life have been stunted because I just, I, w- I want to achieve big things. And I feel like I have to achieve them alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I think that's a smart call. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I, I think I unintentionally hindered myself here by keep using those I statements. I, that is my biggest struggle is like only using myself and feeling like I have to put all the pain and hurt on myself and not let anyone else in to help me out with that. So, Jen, if you were volunteering to be well, go side by side and help me out with some of this stuff, then let's do it. Well, I also think it's because we fear the judgment of the things that we're reaching for, right? Because we do live in an ecosystem. We do live in a society where everybody's like, let's keep everybody small. I always say in my professional career, we have 5 million quotes on little wooden signs that we hang in our home about individuality. But the truth is we're all trying to make everybody like everybody else, right? Conformity is what makes society work. So we live in the false duality of those two things. But I've always wondered what Kyle looks like when he has to stand still, because I will tell you, I went to see a psychic. This sounds crazy. Like the three times you in my life. You went to a psychic without me? Well, this, the three, it sounds from this podcast, like I go to psychics all the time, <laughs> but I'll say I've only gone like three times in my life. But the first time I went to a psychic, I was just getting married. And she said to me, the hardest periods in your life will be the periods where you have to stand still. There is nothing worse to do to a human person than to ask them to stand still. What you had to endure in the busiest city, in one of the busiest cities in the world, was to have to stand still with your own thoughts. And for so long, you have been using anything as a crutch, right? Like, let's be busy. And I have been like your pusher because I'm like, (laughs) let's go to movies. Let's go to the ballet. Let's go to the play. Let's go. Let's go to dinner. Let's drink. Let's do this. Let's have a podcast. Like I've been complicit in helping to keep you from yourself because I am trying to keep me from myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I can, I have a buddy that's complicit in this. We can do this together. So congratulations on us being enablers because it allowed us to stay away from the thought that I think haunts us the most, which is that the fear of loss, whether that's the loss of who we are, mm-hmm. whether that's the loss of the insufferability that keeps us company, whether it's the fear of the loss of, of reaching for something and have it not materialized will be far worse than the loss itself. So we use the fear of the loss to keep us where we are, to keep us still and not moving from where we are. And then that puts us in a strange loop of our own. But I think when I look at your list, I hope that you pursue these things. If you want to go shopping, 
let's say goodnight and let's go shopping right now. Sure. I would be, I would have nothing more than to dress you for the version of yourself that you feel you want to be. You want to downsize your life. You've never seen a person move a couch or a dresser or a, like I'm, I'm the buddy that holds the other end and pivot, pivot. <laughs> That's me. I'm that friend. Um, I can't be your sexual mentor more just to put a button on it. I don't want to be your sex. I would be <laughs> sure. terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like team Helen Keller. It would be awful. Um, and I can't be your LGBTQS plus no. system because for the whole first year, I thought it was a type of sandwich. I'm supportive of the community too. I'm an ally now, obviously. And you want to write more? I will, I will open my own Apple, not yet a sponsor. And I will sit with you for hours and type my own stuff right beside you. If it means that it keeps you inspired and writing, it doesn't have to be alone. And if you want a place to finally, finally be vulnerable, I would be very happy to be that friend. And I think I am a good friend for that because I am a good friend for that Mm -hmm. because Kyle, it can't stay the way it stayed watching you like this. It is so frustrating because there are so many people that would be so privileged to love you, but you just keep yourself so small that you deprive these people of finding you. And the thing that I thought about the entire week that you were in New York, and I don't want to say this with any sound other than strength. The whole thing I thought about in New York was I've always believed that dreams find their host. I was taught that by my grandfather who gave me terrible life advice, except that one thing (laughs) he said, dreams find their host. And it is the job of the host. It is the purpose of life to return a, a return on investment of those dreams. And when you achieve them, you realize they weren't as big as you thought they were every day. There are 6 billion people on this planet moving to other locations. You want to go to New York? I'm right behind you. I will either move you there or I will move with you there or I will move your dresser there or I will shop for you when you get there and go, I have nothing. And I think that there's a whole community of people that will want to do that. But don't make these dreams so big that then they can't permeate you as their host. You want to go there? Go there. Go there. You have a moral imperative to do it because people like me are losing their courage to be strong enough to pursue their own. Like, at least you went to New York. What am I doing? I'm trying to make it work with Jesus, who said to me yesterday, Why can't you just be content? And I laid there beside him as he snored so loud and thought to myself, Because I am, I am so filled with dreams that I am fueled by discontentment until I achieve them. And I know that you and I are not alone in that. And that's all I have to say about that. I uh, I do appreciate that you cried more during this podcast than I did. I Although know, I will, I will I say this. I don't know why. I, I will say this. As I was writing this uh, 7,800 word document that I was reading from, I did cry like 12 different times. So I feel like I expended myself in the right process of this rather than the speaking of it. Thank, thank you, Jen, for your for your compassion. So stupid. I will I will sh- shame my own self. You want to talk about people who are going to be drinking alone tonight? I'll be like, great. You just cried on the radio. 
fantastic. That's what the next few episodes are going to have to be of the the, the scorecards are going to be me like, okay, this is this is the part of the checklist that I got to check off this week and how I'm building myself up because I want to be I want to get to that place. How I know I've made progress, Jen, is that if somebody doesn't text me, my immediate response and feeling is going to be, well, that's too bad for them. And not like, why is this affecting me so much? Yeah. Well, do you want to get to the fishbowl, Jen? No, all the fish in that fishbowl are dead tonight. Kyle, they uh, they died. I think I think we say goodnight there. I mm-hmm. think the lesson to take away here is that whether you're listening to this on a Friday night or a Sunday morning while you're washing your floor of your bathroom or something, mm-hmm. that which you aspire to be, man, everything everything can uh, happen for you and not just to you if you begin with yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the lesson tonight. And uh, welcome home. Thank you. I hope it's not for long. We shall see. This has been Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the What the Fuck Happened edition. (laughs) The Oops, I Told a Story episode. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Jen Sanford. That's Kyle Marshall. This has been Friday night of some sorts. If you uh, have thoughts about this episode, we certainly would love to hear from you. You can reach us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Somebody Date. If you want to connect with us or have something to say, you can reach us at Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. That's Jen double N at gmail.com or visit our website. Somebody date Jen and Kyle.com. Why did that seem awkward? Somebody date Jen and Kyle.com. That's our yeah, website. Two ends. You can visit it. Yeah, exactly. You can visit us there. Thank you for listening. Congratulations on making it to the end of this episode. We promise it'll be more fun next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll probably talk about boners or something like that next yeah, week. Yeah, we're going to talk. Yeah, totally, totally. We're just going to talk about erections just for five hours next week just to, just to kind of shake out the cobwebs. Weirdly, I'll cry three times in that episode. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Be safe out there. Bye. The pronoun I. Maybe I don't need changing. Maybe I should regroup. Cause change is just an illusion. Just an illusion. Just an illusion. And I is just an illusion. Just an illusion. Just an illusion. It's thought just an illusion. Just an illusion. Just an illusion. Then what a strange.